Warning, the following podcast is a shit show, and the individuals you are about to meet are idiots. Their opinions, anecdotes, and advice contain zero nutritional value. This is the critical human condition and all of its strangeness. This is life, according to an idiot. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show, baby. I'm Kaylee, your number one host, and don't worry about the other one. Oh, you better worry about this other one. <laughs> this guy's sitting across from you is the J-Dog. Gotta wait for the dogs to start barking. Yep, those are my dogs. They're Guatemalan street dogs. I had them shipped here, and yes, I mistreat them. Yeah. Now let's go on to the, <laughs> to the show. So, Kaylee, I'm feeling good. It's a beautiful day. Sure. I'm wearing the classic Midwestern hoodie and shorts combo. Yeah. It's sunny for sure, which is nice, but it's quite windy, which makes it chilly. It's very windy. When I stepped out into the garage for a second, the wind was actually making a scary sound. It was like. Well, that was just me. I was hiding behind your garage window. Yeah, that's right. That was a little tongue in cheek, as they say. What? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) What? I can tell this is a transition to something. Tongue-in-cheek Tongue-in-cheek? is an idiom, Jeremy. Oh, an idiom? What's an idiom? An idiom is a saying that... You don't know the definition (laughs) of an idiom. (laughs) I don't. Let Let me see. An idiom, like strange phrases that we say that have unrelated meanings. Right. Such as kick the bucket or hang one's head. All right. So have you ever heard of the idiom tongue in cheek, Jeremy? Yeah, all the time. Uh, I think it means like playful or not serious, like facetious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like making a joke, not yeah. serious. Now, I've always wondered where that comes from. Like why tongue in cheek? I'm trying to picture like somebody like with their t- tongue. I feel like maybe back in the day... You know how we have like a sarcastic tone of voice? Yeah. That people can interpret to mean that we are making a funny. Maybe it wasn't so well received back then. So to demonstrate that you were not serious, you stuck your tongue in your cheek to be like, haha, I'm joking. This is funny, right? Okay. Well, yeah. That's kind of weird. Jeremy, you are ugly. I stuck my tongue in my cheek, so you notice I am joking. I have um, the origin. Would you like to make a guess at the origin before hmm. I read off the origin? Tongue in cheek. Give me a second. Let this fucking computer of a brain I've got at my disposal process this information. I'm going to say it means bite, like biting your tongue. I don't know. The phrase refers to the face you make when winking. I've never done that when I winked. I have never stuck tongue my in tongue cheek. in my tongue. That's a bit of a stretch. All right, people of yesteryear. Yesteryear. That's why you're gone and I'm alive. Because you're dumb. So why do you bring up idioms? I bring up idioms because I want to bring up idioms, Jeremy. This is a podcast, and I want to talk about things Jesus. I want to talk about. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> there, there were two instances where I thought about it. People learning English, right, mm-hmm. obviously have no fucking clue what we're talking about oh, when, sure. we, when we right. do, like, a yeah. common phrase like that, like, mm-hmm. head over heels. Head over heels, which I always... Your head's always over your heels. Like, try, trying to figure out what that means if you're not a native English speaker is, like... That's true, yeah. Bizarre. But also... Children, you know, like children have no idea what any of this means. I really like country wisdoms. Ah, yeah. Where it's like, um, wish in one hand and shit in the other, see which one fills up first. Shit. Exactly. Do you know, um, back in um, old cowboy times, the like, cowboy boots were called shit kickers. Really? Yeah, because there's so much shit on the ground from horses and God. cows and stuff that they would kick shit. 
Can you imagine how like moist and like gross that like mud, you know, like you're kicking mud. I mean, imagine like going outside and being 100% unsure whether you're stepping on mud or poop. It's probably both. Absolutely. It was both like 50-50 mud poop. Right. But imagine how fertile everything was. There's so much poop around. Mm, I feel like it's just nauseating. Because the thing is, it's not getting like into the soil. It is the soil. You know what I mean? There's no seeds germinating. It's just poop and dirt and feet and people puking. That's true. You know? Can you imagine how gross London was, though? Like Europe? I read this article about Jack the Ripper. Mm. They sort of painted you a picture of what crowded, poverty-stricken London looked like. Around that time, they said that it would have smelled worse than like sniffing an armpit. Everywhere you went, it would just smell like human stink like everywhere because streets were just crowded and people didn't bathe that much you know did i tell you i know we talked about toilets in an episode not so long ago but since then i have heard more about toilets and the evolution of toilets i don't remember if i told you but it was at a bar me and the bartender Mm. were talking about toilets oh my goodness you Um, actually talked to bartenders that's so cool yeah (laughs) (laughs) but me and the bartender were talking about toilets who do you think you are talking to bartenders (laughs) like some sort of socialite He was so excited to talk about toilets, and it was fun. Cool. Well, what did you learn? He was telling me back in the day, I don't remember where it was. I think it was maybe like Rome or something, because they were very okay. advanced. But what they did was they had channels of water, like aqueducts, running all around the city. But yeah. they would have quarter potty type things where there were holes, and they, you would just like shit in the stream of water. Yeah. And then what they would do is have a stick. And it would have a towel on it Mm -hmm. and you would wipe with it and then stick it in another stream to like wash it. And then everybody would like use that stick whenever they went in there. They definitely couldn't like sanitize it back then. Right. And human feces are bad for soil, like cow and like horse poop. We're so useless. Even our poop isn't good. Yeah, our poop is pretty useless. Our urine is good. Oh, really? Yeah, it's good for composting. Well, you know what my next question is. No, you don't use your own poop for composting. Okay. That'd be um, so gross if like you went to somebody's garden and they're like, oh, I poop in this. When you eat a tomato from me, you're also eating my, my fecal matter. My fecal matter, yeah. This plant drew nutrients for my shit. Yeah, what a God complex. <laughs> I would develop a God complex so quickly. I want to start composting, but I'm going to refrain from my uh, feces and my urine. That's a good mission statement. Yeah, but it's, it's good. Like you can use like leaves and dead grass and... All your mm-hmm. old food and stuff, just put a tarp over it, let the warmth get on there, let That's worms disgusting. get in it. And, you know, you, that, I that, that works? Yeah. What? Then you Then you got soil. You put a bunch of garbage and poop under a tarp and just wait for the sun to do its work? Yeah. You got to like flip it every now and again. Oh my God. That's so disgusting. You get bugs and stuff and they eat it and then they oh. shit it out and you got soil. That is bedlam. What the f- and then you And then it's like really good soil though. And mm. then you use it to like plant stuff. The first person to just like stumble upon that. Like, I'm going to put all my garbage and poop <laughs> under a tarp and just let it sleep. <laughs> um, my brother's girlfriend is a hairdresser. Yes. And she says that a lot of times people will come in that didn't get their hair cut there and ask for the bags of hair they're throwing out. That's good for composting. Or their garden. But it keeps foxes away because yeah. they smell human. Mm-hmm. That's the most disturbing thing I've ever heard. Is that Dogs are also into... good for foxes too. Foxes are like really scared of dogs. So you just kill a dog and leave it there? Buy a dog and you got no more yeah. faxes, you know, and then you also have a cuddly pal. But I feel like you're ignoring the, the, the issue that someone would just walk into a salon and said, can I have other strangers hair? That seems <laughs> to violate some sort of law, right? Like, there, is there no social grace that you know of? You know what I would do is I would wait until they close and they throw it out in the dumpster and then I would retrieve it from the dumpster. Exactly. And use it 
in my compost pile. Under the cover of night. That's like the humane way to do it. Right. I've been looking into like recycling and stuff a lot more too lately. Do you not recycle? Um, yes. Mm, That sounds like a no. Not as much as I should, but I've been listening to podcasts about how professionals say you should recycle and stuff. And I think it's interesting. I don't remember how it's processed. I know it's all sorted and stuff, Mm -hmm. which is like a big part of it. That would take so long to sort that stuff. Right. But companies buy it. It's weird that like a company would just buy garbage. You know, because I guess it's cheaper and it's actually more cost effective to buy recycled materials. The company's actually just like a front for a bunch of intelligent raccoons. Yeah. I've got the perfect idea. <laughs> we can finally get our little hands on more garbage. We'll see. Raccoons we want are it. so cute. They're adorable. They're also, they can be like feral and mean and also just like. Why aren't more pests. raccoons pets? That's um, what I want to know. A lot of people try. Have you ever seen the video of like the really fat raccoon? I've seen several fat raccoons. That, that's true. Yeah. They're, they're so cute. <laughs> There's I just, a lot of them. I want a really fat raccoon that just lays around my house and does nothing but eats my scraps. But like it has full articulation in its fingers. Yeah. Is that cool? That's scary because it can get, wanna, it can open things. I want to hold hands with my raccoon. Like a raccoon could zip up a zipper. Yeah. That that's, cool? that's like one of the cutest things I've ever imagined is a <laughs> raccoon carefully zipping up a jacket that he is wearing. I would also really love to have a bear. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> bears really like to walk around on their hind legs. Isn't it's it like, so cute? It's I, very bizarre. Um, I found out that bears are like one of the very few animals that likes to just sit down and observe nature. Yeah. And you can commonly find bears sitting down, lounging against a tree and just like watching the right. sunset. Environmental scientists, people. Uh, and actually, that would be zoologist zoologist biologists yeah outdoorsy science people you know like studying whether or not bears can actually appreciate beauty because they're the only animal that like you said people have stumbled upon them overlooking a sunset Mm -hmm. not doing anything just watching it isn't that so cute super weird yeah kind of heartwarming for sure bears are so nice some people have had them as pets yeah it's definitely not unheard of. Like, there's definitely. Can you imagine cuddling with an actual bear? Yeah, I mean that would be really nice. But at, at a certain age, on if, its chest, if it... <laughs> twirling its hair in your fingers, <laughs> gazing up and it's looking down on you, and you realize you're the sunset to him. Oh, that's beautiful, Kaylee. Jesus, <laughs> feeling his warm breath on your neck. It picks you up and it walks on its hind legs. What I was saying about like the walking around their hind legs. Uh, in the Pacific Northwest, they actually attribute a lot of Sasquatch sightings to bears walking around their hind legs. Seriously, because it's such I love that. the forests in the uh, Pacific Northwest are so dense, you can't see that much. So when you just see like a large brown bear mm-hmm. walking on its hind legs, people are like, "That's Sasquatch." If you were an animal, what would you be, Jeremy? God, I, you know, people ask me this all the time, and I can never give them an answer because I think my animal would be a human. <laughs> That's where I am at on the creativity level. My spirit animal is a slightly different version of me. I feel like you are, I don't know. You might, uh, See, I, I got to think about it because you're like, you're obviously funny, but you're not necessarily like mischievous. Right. So there's no like fun animals. You're not like a fox or like right. a raccoon because usually right. they, they like to fuck around with people. Yeah. I feel like you would be some sort of bird. I have gotten that. There's like a motion to you that's kind of bird-like. Oh, okay. Like an ostrich. Now, something with more personality, though. Like a peacock. Like a peacock. I'm but... not as outrageous as a peacock. Oh, I should think not. Subdued. You're no floozy. Right, yeah. You study science. Most of your shirts have buttons on them. <laughs> uh, like a flamingo, maybe. Hmm. Yeah. That or like some sort of monkey, maybe. Some sort mm. of, but it's like a specific kind of monkey, like 
not quite orangutan. I don't know. I'd say chimpanzee, but I don't think you have the capacity to tear a person's face off, <laughs> <laughs> let alone the grip strength. Yeah. You could be a dolphin. Okay. Yeah. You could be a dolphin. I could be a dolphin. I could see myself yeah. as a dolphin. You have a good umbrella of uh, animal that you could possibly be. Yeah. It would I feel suck. like you do too. I don't know. For example, when all my friends were uh, figuring out, like, what Pokemon would you be? Mm. Like, all of my friends told me to my face that I was Mr. Mime. Uh, I was like, I'd rather die. <laughs> I would rather die than be Mr. Mime. The only Pokemon that wears gloves. <laughs> like, right. really? I have to be that? All right. Did I ever, um, did I ever go through that, um, I don't know what you want to call it. Uh, Menopause? No. I learned it in Thailand. It's like a question game. Did I ever go through that with you? No. Okay. Well, what, what, what is it? Like I ask you questions, and you give me answers to those questions, kind of like um an interview. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> they're like they're like feely questions. Like I I ask you, and then you tell like how me how you feel. So like um, what's your favorite animal and why? I think I'd say dogs. What are some characteristics you really love about dogs? Uh, they're very supportive. Okay. But like, I know they're dogs. They don't know they're being supportive. They probably just like, they know like this guy gives me barbecue sauce. So I like right. him. Uh, you know, they're your pal. Right. Okay. Yeah. And what is your favorite color? Green. And why? Because it's peaceful. And last question. What is your favorite aspect of nature? Like rivers, trees, mountains? Uh, nothing beats just a nice clearing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, maybe I am Mr. Mime. <laughs> like a field? Like a field, like a nice field with some, with some maybe a field near like a beach okay. or a river. Like, 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 like a flowered field? Maybe something off the banks of a, some sort of body of water. Okay. And, and why is that? Why is it? Uh, well, again, because it's just like relaxing. Relaxing. It's, it's like I'm off the grid, like I'm, I'm, I'm here right now. Right. That kind of feeling. Okay. So the first question I asked you, what your favorite animal is, you said dog. It reflects what you find in your ideal partner. So mm. comforting, supportive, friendly. Four legs. Four legs. <laughs> <laughs> a wet nose. Eats their own shit. <laughs> so yeah, I thought that was nice. Um, okay. And then your favorite color is how you want people to view you. So relaxing. Oh, yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, peaceful. Ignore the storm beneath. <laughs> and the last one, aspect of nature, is... How you view the afterlife. Hmm. So very like peaceful, like you're supposed to be there off the grid. So what were your answers? Obviously you can't, it's one of those things where you can't play a second time because you know the yeah. rules of the game. Right. And you can't explain it. Right. So do you remember, do you remember your. Yeah. Because uh... I think about it kind of often actually. Mm -hmm. um, my answer for the first one was a bear because I think that they're kind of intimidating to people, but really they're kind of goofy and fun and loving. But if you provoke them. You know, so there's a danger to them, but there's also like a sense of protection. Right. Uh, my favorite color is orange mm -hmm. because it's very bright, vibrant when your, you look your at coat. it. coat. I'm looking at your coat right yeah. now. It is orange. It's a very like happy Yeah, it, it definitely color. is. It definitely is. You know, like you can't look at orange and like be upset. You know, like orange is like a very bright. You're right. Yeah. And favorite aspect of nature is mountains and forests. And why was that? Because it just feels like very primal. Nothing else matters. You know, okay, yeah. you can kind of just forget all your worries and just live. Right. 
so Jeremy, yeah. now that we are nice and feeling good and warm and fuzzy, yeah. I'm going to completely disrupt the mood. Oh, good. And go into... Oh, yeah, the, the actual segment? Yeah. Good call. We've got some pretty interesting stuff to talk about this week. Um, Folklore. We're going to be talking about Native American legends slash yeah. cryptids. Are you ready? I am about as ready as I've ever been. All right. Sharing their curiosity to know the unknown, their tension. Their readiness for inconceivable adventures. Is it human or inhuman? Earthly or unearthly? Is a skinwalker prowling in northern New Mexico? Cannibalistic tendencies make it turn into this monster. I will eat your face! Even the mention of the name will let the Wendigo find out where you are. This is the land of legend and mystery. Unbelievable. Fantastic. But I tell you, it could happen. Wendigos, as you might have heard of, as it's kind of made its appearance back in a pulp culture in the last few years. It's in video games, especially now if you ever played, um, how is it? It's Dawn something. Until Dawn. Until Dawn. It's an interactive survival horror. But yeah, that's a newer game that came out a few years ago in which the monsters are Wendigos. The scene of the game is in the what's the, a like ski a, lodge ski lodge yes yeah. that's what I'm like. it's like yep. a ski lodge so it's very mountainous very snowy it's winter time and wendigos as i will tell you are very prone to cold areas okay so wendigos are considered to be the creation of algernon blackwood algernon that's a cool name that needs to come back he wrote a tale called the wendigo hmm. in 1910 He's a horror writer? Like a light horror kind of thing, which kind of brought it back into the limelight, but it exists beforehand with Native American tribes. Hmm. Um, The Wendigo appears in the northern woods of Minnesota, the Great Lakes region, and some central regions of Canada. So think very snowy, icy, typically cold regions. The issue with these places is that they frequently get a lot of snowfall. And back in cellular times, when you had a lot of snowfall, people would get snowed in, mm-hmm. you know, and they would be trapped. Yeah. They were out hunting or tracking or whatever. And that's and kind of like a trope now, where it's like, oh, we're snowed in at some ski lodge or something. Right. You're stuck there, encased in all this snow, and you have nowhere to go, and it's freezing cold, and yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Wendigos are monsters that have similar characteristics to a human, but exaggerated They're very emaciated. Mm. It says their skin is stretched tight across their body, making their bones visible. They have glowing eyes, long yellowed fangs, terrible claws, and long tongues. They're associated with extreme taboos such as cannibalism, murder, and insatiable greed. Legends say that humans turn into these creatures when they resort to cannibalism to survive. If you think about it, you're snowed in, you can't go anywhere. You have no food. Your buddy there is going to look very appetizing after a while Mm -hmm. when you're starving. That's what I love about folklore in general, but also Native American and like settler time folklore. Mm -hmm. So often these monsters were just manifestations of trauma or like taboo stuff. Right. Not that you have to be afraid of that specific monster, but you have to be afraid of like- The idea behind it. The idea behind it. People becoming that monster or you becoming that monster. For sure. It became a big idea, I guess, that cannibalism is a big taboo. And mm-hmm. if you were to resort to cannibalism, you would be possessed by this monster. You say that like it's not a weird idea that cannibalism's weird. <laughs> like, <laughs> I guess they got this idea that cannibalism was wrong and uh, taboo. I don't know. Why. I, don't know. I think I don't they're know. tasty. Yeah. Along with 
I don't know, being crazy monsters and stuff. They have yeah. a variety of skills. Uh, they're very stealthy. They're, quote, a near-perfect hunter. Oh, clearly, pretentious. A clearly a Wendigo. I entered that into Wikipedia. Um, they can control the weather, and they also have some powers such as they can mimic human voices. That's the worst. Isn't that terrifying? That's actually the worst. Because uh, I guess one of the main things that they do is they mimic human voices to lure people oh, further further God. into the woods. Yeah. You know, like distressed females or children. Or Children's the darkest one. They hear people calling, so they go further into the woods to try and find this person. And really, it's one to go... Ah. Jumps out and Jesus, eats you. That is disturbing. So they're always starving. They're always looking for more humans. Oh, so they're never to eat. they're never satiated. Never satisfied. They're cursed to wander the land, eternally seeking to fulfill their endless appetite for human flesh. Ooh. So where do they go when it's not snowing? I'm assuming they just go farther north, where it's always cold, yeah. always snowing. Um. So this. Originated from the Algonquin, which is a Native American tribe, they said that during the turn of the 20th century, a number of their people went missing mysteriously, and the tribes attributed it to the Wendigo, calling him the spirit of lonely places. Ooh, that's <laughs> sad. It also translates to the evil spirit that devours mankind. You gotta love Native American languages that were so specific to where, like, Wendigo right. means seven words. That's kind of a badass name to have, though. Well, right? Yeah, for sure. The name Wendigo uh, originates from these Native American tribes, but later on it actually became a diagnosis hmm. that what people would use, and it became known as Wendigo psychosis. And it's a condition that creates an intense craving for human flesh and a fear of becoming a cannibal. It's said to originate around the Great Lakes region of Canada and the U.S., so right around where Wendigos show up. Right. They're thinking that the origin of Wendigos is mm -hmm. really this mental disorder where people who are caved in from snowy, yeah. icy areas eventually form the psychosis that they're scared of being a cannibal, but also have this really intense desire to right. eat another person because they're starving and you know there's nothing else. Right. So really, it's like a it's kind of a reasonable psychosis because you're saying like right. I really want to eat you, but also I morally object to eating you. And they eventually kind of succumb yeah. to uh, the psychosis. So That's usually dark. develops when people are isolated for long periods of time. It begins with a poor appetite, nausea, and vomiting. Eventually, the person develops the delusion of being transformed into a Wendigo monster. Okay. They kind of believe that they're turned into this monster and succumb to eating other people. Can you imagine? <laughs> Worst vacation. Like, oh, God. Dad thinks he's a Wendigo. Uh, so the native did healers. This happen to, uh, did this happen to uh, natives and settlers? Yeah. Okay. So it's like a. It, it's like a universal thing. Okay. Um, but native healers would try and cure the disorder. If it failed, the person was executed, obviously, because you can't have a cannibal running yeah. around wanting to Yeah, you really can't work people. around that. Another thing that they would do to try and prevent this psychosis to develop is they would have ceremonial dances in times of famine in order to reinforce the seriousness of the Wendigo taboo. And that even with extreme famine, we can't eat each other because <laughs> you'll become <laughs> a Wendigo. We're going to dance and it's like, don't yep. eat each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like a kindergarten teacher. All right, guys. Always wash your hands. All right. Always wash your hands. You may be hungry. Yes, I am hungry. But not that hungry. <laughs> can you imagine just being like, all right, guys, group, uh, come, come group on. talk, group talk. Come on, come on. All right, guys. You cannot 
eat each other. Also, if you do this, you'll become a monster and you'll kill yes. everybody. So yeah. you really like you shouldn't do it. That was anyway, good incentive. Yeah. But you really shouldn't do it if you don't want to become a monster. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have two recorded incidents of Wendigo psychosis. Okay. If you would like to hear them. Um, so in 1661, Jesuit relations document stated, this is all going to be direct quotes. Okay. What caused us greater concern was the intelligence that met us upon entering the lake, namely that the men deputied by our conductor for the purpose of summoning the nations to the North Sea, where they were to await our coming, had met their death the previous winter in a very strange manner. Those poor men, according to the report given us, were seized with an ailment unknown to us, but not very unusual among the people we were seeking. They were afflicted with neither lunacy, hypochondria, nor frenzy, but have a combination of all these species of disease, which affects their imaginations and causes them a more than canine hunger. Mm. This makes them so ravenous for human flesh that they pounce upon women, children, and even upon men, like werewolves, and devour them ferociously without being able to appease or glut their appetite. Glut. I hate the words they used back then. <laughs> Ever seeking fresh prey, this ailment attacked our deputies, and as death is a sole remedy among those simple people for checking such acts of murder, they were slain in order to stay the course of their madness. Okay, what the fuck does that mean? The last bit got too many big words. <laughs> <laughs> that was from settlers, Jesuit settlers that came there. And right. so that guy was talking about how they the, had, the native tribes had some people that went crazy and ate each other. And then one of our guys went crazy and ate somebody right, or tried the, to. Our, our people that we sent died. Oh, so they went there to check up on the people that the right. probably missionaries they had already sent over there. Right. They, they all disappeared and died. And when yeah. they got there, the native people were like, yeah. hey, sorry about that. Um, we got this like crazy illness. Um, <laughs> you know, really awkward. They're like, okay. Our people and they like ate our children and stuff. So um, <laughs> the only way we take care of that is if we kill them. So <laughs> they're gone and they got pooped out. <laughs> they started eating children. So, uh, you know, <laughs> cluck them over the head with a rock. <laughs> Um, that was one of the very popular cases of it. I realized that was probably too long. Um, so That's sorry. Right. No. So another documented case occurred in 1878 mm. when a trapper from Alberta named Swift Runner suffered one of the worst cases known. Swift Runner was a trader with the Hudson's Bay Company who was married and the father of six children. In 1875, he served as a guide for the Northwest Mounted Police. So he must have been a native with that name. Yeah. A name like Swift Runner, it's got to be not European. Not, you know what I mean? not a badass person. name, Swift, Swift Runner. Runner. Hell yeah. And he so served cool. as a guide, so he obviously knew the woods very well. Right, okay. So during the winter of 1878 to 79, Swift Runner and his family were starving, and at some point, Swift Runner succumbed to Wendigo psychosis. Though emergency food supplies were available at Hudson's Bay Company post some 25 miles away, he did not attempt to travel there. Rather, he killed the remaining members of his family and consumed them. Oh he eventually confessed and was executed by authorities. That's heavy. So he killed That's so and scary. ate his six children and wife. God, that guy was hungry. So hungry, I couldn't walk 25 miles to get food. Yeah. And that really does put a, put, well, I mean, think 25 miles. I'm not saying I would eat my kids, but like 25 miles. That's a that's one run, if you think about it. That's a marathon run. And then you're done. That's like a half a yeah, day. Yeah, but that's so much more, oh, I don't know, in, the, in a snowstorm. Picture like. I'm a runner. I am aware with how far 25 miles. That's so long, though. Like, <laughs> like, like, to me, I'm, as a non-runner. It's certainly not a swift runner. 
that's so that's that, that's good. I mean, I would do. Thank you. I would do that before eating my kids. To be fair, I well, definitely I would, would run would, like twelve miles. But that's not even that's not even half. That's what I mean, though. You run twelve miles, take a break, and that's like a few hours, maybe. No, what would happen is you run twelve miles, you die. <laughs> running through snow is very yeah. It's very hard. difficult. But he probably might have had snowshoes. That's what I'm saying, though. It's like like if you walk twelve miles. Yeah. That's not going to take you a whole day. It might. For, I don't know. I think it's walking 12 miles in a snowstorm and you don't know exactly what direction you're headed. That's true. But thinking like a week at the most. Yeah. People can survive, I think, a month without food. What? It's really? like a week without water. Oh, yeah. Water's but it's really It's like a important. month without food. Yeah. Which is kind of crazy. Like Gandhi, I think, went a month without food. Yeah, Gandhi, but it was, uh, wasn't he into like, I, this could be totally wrong, and in, in which case I apologize to the Gandhi estate. But I heard that he had like an enema fetish. He'd require some of his followers to take enemas. Huh. And he had this thing where like he would sleep in the nude with one of his female followers and then not have sex with them. And one of them was uh, to prove his self-control. He like slept with his grandniece to prove that he wouldn't have sex with her. And okay. to, show, to show like his fortitude. Like I can sleep in a bed with a young woman and I will not have sex with her. Uh, I would hope not. Because it's your niece, yo. <laughs> Anyways. Thank so, you for him. Um... I just wanted to ruin the impeccable standard of Gandhi by talking about how the fact that he liked enemas and not having sex with his niece, which is a pretty good skill to have, I got to right, say. Right, back in, back in those days. Yeah. A similar to not eating your children, which right. Swift and, Runner failed at. And taking a few days. I, I think like a week you could have gone there and back. They could have started eating wood or something. Right. I feel there's a lot of Eat the snow. It's a food and a drink. He was also a trapper, so why couldn't he like trap some squirrels or something? Because it was the winter, and they're all uh, they all went south. They all flew south. They're hibernating. Yeah, all the squirrels um, flew south. So the frequency of these reports of Wendigo psychosis went down drastically in the 20th century as Native Americans came into greater contact with Western ideals. Mm-hmm. Sightings are still reported, especially in northern Ontario, uh, near the cave of the Wendigo. It sounds like you would find one there. And around a small town of Kenora, where it is still spotted by traders, trappers, and trackers. Okay. Kenora. I like the name Kenora. Yeah, it's a good name for like a kid. Kenora, yeah. My daughter Kenora. So that little girl tracks Wendigos wherever she goes. Kenora the Wendigo Hunter. <laughs> Badass. Hell That's terrifying. Yeah. That's a disgusting uh, everything about that made me uncomfortable. Is that fun? I'm just hung up on the whole swift runner thing because like, you think after like the fifth person, he'd, he'd be like, you know what? I've had enough. You're right. There's I the could thing. slow down. I could show some amount he, of resolve. He probably killed them all at once, right? Or is there like a back room and he's like, hey, kid, I got to show you something. Whack. And then he and says, said that. And then who's dad's next? like, um, hey, kids, bad news. Freddy is gone. I'm dead. Um, good news. We have a lot of uh, meat now. Uh, I, I just, like, I wonder how much of them he ate. I would assume all of them. If he's, no way. If, if it's one to go, he... To the bone? And then he breaks the bone and sucks the marrow out, you know? That's... It. He's living in excess at that point. Yeah, but it's part of the psychosis. You, you're That's true. Ins- I forgot. The psychosis, a psychosis is the whole part of it. So he's not even him at that point. Right. He's a one to go. So really he can't be tried for it because it wasn't him. Uh, That's my <laughs> official rule. Um, except he was executed. Yes, he, but in he my ate reality, six children and a grown woman. I think that deserves some sort of medal. Like, write that in a book. This man was the first person to eat six children and, and one woman. <laughs> World record. And someday... Guinness that, showed uh, up at his house and they're like, yeah. we're going to watch you eat your six children <laughs> so we can verify this is real. <laughs> we dare any other man in a snowstorm to beat that record. <laughs> so let's shift gears here. I have a very similar topic 
that I would like to cover, and that is... Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson, and how many women and children he consumed in a snowstorm. And also how he molested young boys. Well, the jury's still out on factual evidence. Anyway, let's let's not delve into Michael Jackson right now, because I've, I've already slandered Gandhi. Let's talk about skinwalkers. Yes. From moonwalkers to skinwalkers. Mm. A skinwalker, or... Oh, God. This is how the Navajos say it. Yay, Nald... Oh, I'll just give up. No. Yay, Nald Lushi, which uh, loosely translates to, with it, he goes on all fours, referring to the skinwalker's ability to shapeshift into any animal they please. Now, uh, a sh- uh, a shithead, a, sh- a skinwalker is a shapeshifter, but according to Navajo legend, a skinwalker is a medicine man who has attained the highest level of priesthood in their tribe, but unfortunately, decided to use their powers to inflict pain and suffering. Think of like an evil wizard. They can take the skin or pelts of any animal and can then use that to turn themselves into it. They commonly use dogs, owls, ravens, coyotes, foxes. It's almost always predatory animals. What disturbs me about all the reports is that the animals never look quite right. Yeah. And their eyes will always have like an orange glint to them. So they can be spotted either in human form, animal form, or like a human-animal hybrid. They often limp or walk awkwardly. Drag their hind legs is a really popular one. They often have mangy, shaggy coats, and they bring about the odor of like rotten meat, which is a similar thing that demons do. Yeah. A lot of reports of demons, you have a foul smell of like rotten meat. Right. This is such a big deal to the Navajo that it's actually considered taboo to wear animal pelts hmm. because it's associated with skinwalkers. They are allowed to wear certain animal skins, like buckskin, but that's only for ceremony. What about like, turtles? Um, I mean, how would you describe <laughs> to me how you would wear a turtle skin? Well, you would take the shell off. Of course. And then you would skin a turtle because it's scaly and probably um, mm-hmm. good for various things that you'd use scales for. And then you'd get multiple yeah. turtles. Oh and boy. you'd sew them together, make like a cloak. Yeah, but it looks really gross. <laughs> if you look at a turtle's arms, a turtle has the same arms as like a grandma. <laughs> um, similar to the Wendigo, skinwalkers are subject to a very specific region of the country. And it's the southwest, namely around the area of the territory known as Navajo Nation. So Navajo Nation is the Native American territory in the southwestern United States, which covers roughly 17.5 million acres and occupies parts of Arizona, New Mexico, and Utah. And they're still there, right? Still there. It's officially called the Navajo Nation, and it's sort of like its own little government. Mm-hmm. It has its own elected government with like a judicial system, tribal law. So skinwalking was actually a federal crime on the reservation up until 1998. But what's bad about it? It's hard to describe because pretty much what you do is say you want to be a medicine man. Yeah. So you start training to become a medicine man. And for them, it's like similar to like a shaman where you have to like sort of learn about the spiritual world and learn how to transcend and learn how to right. heal and what herbs heal. And then you have this option to either go one of two ways. Once you acquire your spiritual knowledge, you become a medicine man. And if you use those powers for good, you know, you keep on becoming a medicine man. But if you say, I like these powers, I could totally use these powers to like get whatever I want. Mm -hmm. I hate that guy. I'm going to use my powers to curse him or I'm going to use this to make someone fall in love with me or whatever. That prince is dumb. I'm going to turn him into a frog. Almost exactly. (laughs) Um, Just so I can kiss him and turn him back. It's a weird And then he's in love with me. (laughs) Yeah. There's probably easier ways to do that. Mm -hmm. But so 
once they decide to go bad, they step out of Medicine Man and they step into being a witch ah. or witchery. That's when you start to do hexes and you curse people and whatever. But once you say, I want to become a skinwalker, what you have to do is kill a blood relative that's close to you. This could be like your parents, your husband, your wife, your kids, because that shows your sacrifice to the act of skinwalking. Mm-hmm. The reason why there's so little is known about actual skinwalking is because the Navajo like to not discuss it with outsiders, primarily to preserve their culture, but also because they believe that to talk about a skinwalker is asking for trouble. Right. Uh, especially at night. Just talking about it is what eventually led to a sighting of one. Hmm. And there's probably some psychological thing to that too, where it's like, mm -hmm. if you're talking about it, yeah, you're going to think you see a skinwalker. If you're talking about Bigfoot, of course you're going to think a grizzly bear walking on its hind legs is Bigfoot. Exactly. Out of sight, out of mind. A big part of it, too, related to Navajo Nation, um, there's the Navajo Rangers. They were formed in 1957, and they work to maintain, protect any public works, natural resources, natural historical sites, and also assist travelers. So think of like a park ranger. Mm -hmm. And these are the guys that I uh, got a lot of information from on skinwalker sightings. Okay. So according to reports by several Navajo Rangers, skinwalkers appear in this way. When a skinwalker goes out for the night to party and be a skinwalker, mm -hmm. they strip their clothes, dress in a loincloth, they cover themselves in this like white paint and um, carry some sort of backpack or satchel containing a small bone. And it's believed to be the bone of like an infant. Mm -hmm. And they'll saw off the two end tips of the bone, hollow it out, mm -hmm. and they fill it with this powder known as corpse powder. Huh. Corpse powder, also known as corpse poison. Mm -hmm. And uh, essentially what it is is they take a part of a dead body and just sort of grind it up Ugh. until it is like a powder. And they always keep it loaded in the little baby bone, and they'll blow it on you, typically in your face, to get you contaminated. Or what they'll do is they'll secretly feed it to you in some way. And what, it makes you sick or something? So it'll make you sick, because the Navajo believe being near a dead body or even just seeing one can cause you to become physically ill right, or mentally ill. You know, people get sick because dead bodies harbor Diseases pathogens and, and stuff. Pathogens, yeah. yeah. So when you blow a dead guy dust in your face, you're probably going to get sick. You know what I mean? You're probably right. going to like, something's going to happen. And so the, the goal of that dust is to get you sick and slowly die because how they feed is off of life energy. Hmm. So as you slowly die, it's like them leaching the energy from you and that's what feeds them. Huh. And um, they typically develop inhuman speed, inhuman strength. And um, there's a lot of stories about somebody shooting one and it doesn't affect them. The turtles. Exactly. I'm so glad you're on. I'm on the this. ball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you really know what you're doing. <laughs> Skinwalkers are known to make people sick, kill livestock, commit murder, control someone's mind, rob graves is a big thing too. They will rob the grave, but they'll also sometimes like, you know. Fornicate. Yeah. They'll desecrate the grave in more than one way. Let's put it that way. And they often also eat the dead bodies. There's a quote from some interview I was reading. An old tribe elder had said of the skinwalker, to see a skinwalker is to be seen by a skinwalker. They wouldn't let you see them unless they wanted you to see them. Like, when you see it, don't even acknowledge it. So it's Looking like a back, bird box scenario. Kind of. Yeah. I guess in a sense. Bird box with Sandy Bullock, for those Good unacquainted. Sandy, yeah. So to combat a skinwalker, it's believed that one must carefully track it over time and discover its true identity. And then when you know their true identity, you go to their house... You bang on their door and you say, I know it's you, and you say their full name. Within a few days, that person will become sick and die or they'll be killed. Huh, that's weird. Whether skinwalkers are real or not, and clearly there's a lot 
uh, to debate about that. There's still people that think they're skinwalkers. You know what I mean? Right. And there's still people that probably do dig up graves. And that's probably what plays into the, if you speak about it, one will show up. A doctor had said she thinks that skinwalkers are incredibly dangerous purely because of the amount of fear that the Navajo people in general still harbor right. over them. It's like when to go psychosis. Like people exactly. believe in it so fiercely. There is actually, so I can go back to it real quick. I found this in a... Uh, in a uh, this thing called the Federal Sentencing Reporter, November, December 1996, concerning discrepancies between federal and tribal legal systems. Quote, courts will lessen punishment for an involuntary manslaughter that resulted from a shaman's bad advice or the murder of a skinwalker perceived as cursing the family. Hmm. So it was to the point where sentencing would be lessened if you said, I killed him because he was a skinwalker. Right. Which is insane to me. Everybody's a skinwalker at that point. Totally. Why not? So I've just about covered everything I wanted to cover, and I thought I would leave off with some firsthand accounts that I gathered from the internet. I have a few here, but I think I'm just going to read like one or two of them. Pretty interesting, so why not? This first one I found on a Reddit thread. Short and sweet. I'll let the uh, author speak for themselves. So this happened about 12 years ago. My family owns a farm in the heart of an Indian reservation. One winter I was home from Christmas, taking care of the farm while my parents were away Christmas shopping. As I was home by myself, way late in the night, and I hear all of our crows freaking out. I guess they have crows? Mm. I knew it had to be the wild dogs that are rampant in the area. So I throw on some boots, grab a shotgun, load it up, and head out to the field. This was a perfect scenario for a horror movie. It was cloudy, but there was a full moon, and it was just breaking through the clouds to light up all the snow. I ran out into the middle of the field and just in time to see two dogs that were standing up facing each other on their hind legs fighting. I think, perfect, two for one. So I pump a shell into the chamber of Mr. 12 Gate, and then it happened. The two dogs heard the rack, they both stopped, looked over at me, and ran away on their back legs. Immediately I froze, and every ghost story about the skinwalkers and all of the other native legends I grew up with flew through my mind. Keep in mind, I'm just a white kid, and up until then, these were all just boogeyman stories the native kids like to tell to scare us. That night, they became real to me. you think they'd kill him. Well, I guess he does have a shotgun. Right. They, they don't want to be caught either, I'm sure. Yeah, so this next one is from a police officer from the area. Uh, this would be just outside Navajo Nation, I believe. And... They're on patrol one night with their partner when they get a call to investigate some kind of disturbance out in the middle of nowhere. I'll let this one close us off. So this guy is just out there on this lonely stretch of road just outside of town, and he looks completely dazed and out of it. Sir. He walks a bit, throws his head back, and just unleashes this unearthly animal howl like I've never heard. Just chilling. We obviously can't have this guy out there on the road making noise like that so close to town. Seems like he could be drunk or on drugs, so uh, we get out of the car. This guy just goes completely still and stands there staring at us. Hey, partner. We ask him what is going on, and we shine our flashlights on him. What are you doing? And he seriously looks like a ghoul standing there, pale-faced, emaciated, and wild-eyed. Do you have any ID on you? He doesn't respond at all to our questions. So at this point, we are creeping closer and closer, wondering what we are going to do with this guy. That was when his eyes sort of glowed. Then he just suddenly dashes from zero to full speed ahead with such suddenness and acceleration that, well, no track scar could pull that off, let alone a guy that seemed like he could barely stand a moment before. It was amazing. 
and he just bolts off down the highway toward the desert at phenomenal explosive speed. We got in the car and tailed him, and he just keeps getting faster and faster until my partner and I look at the speedometer, and I swear this guy is reaching nearly 50 miles an hour, staying right in front of us, no matter how fast we go. Then he sort of goes on all fours, loping along, and veers off the road into the night, whooping and howling as he does. Was he a skinwalker? I don't know. But it is just about the strangest damn thing I've ever come across. Yeah. I know, right? Can you so imagine trying to chase a person running and you can't no matter how fast you go? Yeah, or if, what if they're chasing you? Ugh. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, that is what I have on the Skinwalkers, uh, Navajo Nation, Legends, and spooky stuff. Wow. Hit me with a good vibe, Kaylee. Uh, my good vibe is... She's, she's crooning. You know it's, you know she's grasping at straws when she's crooning. Um, 90s R&B pop Love songs. Okay. I can get behind it. That's been my jam lately, and it makes me happy. Um, My good vibe is I learned about this thing. Mm -hmm. It is adorable and also sad, but also, like, good. On Facebook, Emma Loves Dogs 7. It's one word. Yes. It is this little girl, Emma. She does have a brain tumor. It's a serious condition. However, she asked for pics of dogs. That was her wish. Aww. They asked that they uh, would send them, like, in the mail, too, so that she could have mm. actual physical copies. The internet really provided. It was adorable. So that, like, gives you a little bit of faith. Yeah. And, uh, Emma, I believe in you. And uh, I hope that you get to meet a bunch of dogs, too, not oh, just see yeah. pictures of them. I hope one day you can roll in a group of puppies, and they all fight to lick your face. I just want to close this off with one little quick fact that maybe you knew, but I never knew this. Yes. Did you know that VIP stands for a very important person? No. Isn't that like But I upsetting? knew MVP meant most valuable player. Most valuable player or most volatile person. Ah, you know? right. Mm-hmm. Volatile. <laughs> I already forgot what VIP meant. Very important person. Yeah, very important person. Isn't that kind of a letdown, though? I hate that, it, it actually. Makes, it made VIP so less cool. See, the high roller is better, I think. You know, I want to be in the high rollers lounge. Yep. If you guys would like us to discuss something specific, if you have questions you would like us to answer, yes. you can contact us by emailing us at according to an idiot at gmail.com. We also have a Twitter at Idiots Accord, uh, Facebook and an Instagram at According to an Idiot. Leave a review on iTunes. Let us know how we're doing. Even if you hate us, I want to hear how much you hate us. Love you guys so much. See ya. Oh, you didn't do your ending phrase thing. Oh, stay spooky. Oh, God. <laughs>